Praise the Lord. This is Jacob Lovelace with The Promise Church, and we want to welcome you to our new podcast, Messages from the Promise. We want you to be blessed by the word of the Lord that's shared here each week at The Promise Apostolic Church. Hope these words richly bless you. God bless. We're going to stand in just a moment for the reading of God's word. Not in honor of me, but in the honor of, of God's word. Um, I kind of struggled uh, to, uh, you know, normally you've got at least a couple of messages sort of brewing. These preachers know what I'm talking about. And you, you're thinking on them and preparing them in your mind. And you make a note every once in a while and write a scripture down. Every, you know, just kind of kind of building a stew, you know, just every once in a while throwing something in the pot, you know. And sometimes that process might be over a few days or maybe over a few months that you're just thinking about it. And and every once in a while maybe Brother Phil might teach something or or preach something. Hey, throw that in there, you know. And and so I've, I've, and a lot of times us preachers, we will preach around events and holidays, for example, it's, we just celebrated the 4th of July and the, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. So today would be a great day to preach on liberty and, and freedom. And, 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 you know, it was kind of, well, maybe I need to go that direction, you know, preach on that. And thought about that for a few days. And, and, and so uh, anyway, it's just like the Lord said to me, ain't none of that. You ain't going to preach none of that. I, I thought I had it. You know, and I was coming to the church. I got here about 10.30 this morning. I was going to finish it up. And it's like God said, no, that's not, that's not, oh, isn't that always great, Brother Mike? By the way, what a message we heard last Sunday uh, from Brother Vickers. Wow. And so anyway, I, I struggled this morning to about noon. Uh, I was, okay, Lord, if you want me to preach something else, you got to give it to me, you know. And, and so I, I actually wrote some notes, watered them up, wrote a note, watered it up. Just I couldn't. And I finally, I said out loud, I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me here. I don't know what it is you want me to preach today, but you're going to have to help me. And uh, so uh, he reminded me on a, on a monthly basis, I have... Bible studies. Some people, I go to people's homes and have a home Bible study. Uh, and then other times I meet here at the church. And, and sometimes, you know, you might go a week or two weeks or maybe even three weeks with not doing any Bible studies. And then all of a sudden you might get two, three, or four in a week. You know, you just, you never know how that might go. And this week I, I had the opportunity to have two Bible studies here at the church. And they were just both awesome. Uh, and what... What I always tell the folks that come to these Bible studies, to the young men here to, tonight, so glad that they're here today, uh, I say, you know, you can't say something that will offend me. You can't ask a question that will offend me. Uh, if I'm teaching and this comes to your mind, well, what about this over here? You know, I want you to do that. You know, so, so uh, this week uh, I had the opportunity to meet with two great young men and some people from our church and, and was studying and and God and during those lessons, Sister Missy, at least two different times, the Spirit of the Lord was moving, and I was teaching. And I could just feel the power of God. I called it my Holy Ghost doodad. You know, my the hair stood up on my arms, and I thought, man, I wish the whole church was here to hear this. 
at, at those moments. And so the Lord just sort of directed me uh, to, uh, to talk a little bit about that today. And we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 3. And if you would stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to read just one verse, verse 15. Now we have here today, before I read this verse, we have, uh, we have people who are currently attending our church. Courtney Anderson, for one. She's grown up in the Baptist church. She still goes to her Baptist church on Sunday morning. She comes here on Sunday afternoon. She goes back to her Baptist church on Sunday night. You know, and I commend her. Uh, and we are so thankful for her. We have uh, Methodist folks that come to our church, and we and we have several different Baptists. You know, there's 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 primitive Baptists, and there's missionary Baptists, and there's uh, 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 the regular old good old Baptists, and all kind of different. You know, uh, you know. I I looked again today. This will shock you. Google this. I looked again today. Just to check myself. I've been checking this for the last 10 years. And it's, it's on there every time. Google how many Christian denominations are there. Just ask that question. Just Google it. Some, you don't have to do it right now. I'd rather you didn't. I hope your phones are off. But Google that. How many Christian denominations are there? You, it will blow your mind how many different denominations there are. And some of them cross one another. They agree on this, but they disagree on this. You know, and there are so many different... Actually, Google says there's 40,000. Now, about 10 years ago, it was 36,000. So we got 4,000 new ones in the last 10 years. Go Google it. Check me on that. Now, how accurate it is, I don't know. But here today, we could name a bunch. You know, from here... To the red light, there's 14 churches between here and uh, Lynn Garden Drive. 14 churches. And of those 14 churches, there's at least five different denominations between here and Lynn Garden Drive. So we could name a bunch here today. Uh, I appreciate you saw our sign, Apostolic, and that's what drew you here. But I'm going to be real honest with you. Denomination means absolutely nothing to the word of God it's the message it's the message it's not it's not an apostolic denomination message it's not a Pentecostal denomination message it is the word of God the Bible says that they were first called Christians at Antioch who were those Christians what did they believe? What were they preaching and teaching, those very first Christians? Well, maybe we can find out here today. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse number and ending with verse number 15. Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes today. And there's no way I can exhaust this today. Please, let's get together. I'll come to your house. I'll come to Middlesboro. I'll come to Lee County. I'll come to Carter County. Or we can meet here. I can't exhaust it today. 
But I want to talk to you for a little while on this thought. I've got a question. I've got a question. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got a question. I've got a question. Let's ask God to bless us with this word today. Heavenly Father, we love you and we are so grateful and so thankful for this another privilege that we have to be in your house today. God, I thank you for your word. I need your help today. I said in my prayer today as I was studying, God, you're going to have to help me. God, I pray you'd help me this afternoon, God, to share what you have put in my spirit to share with this group of people. God will give you the praise, the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. I'm going to have to stick kind of close to my notes today. As much as I, I'm able to, I might get too excited. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Word of God consists of two covenants. If you want to simplify the, uh, the, the Word of God, the Bible, down to its basic self, there's two covenants, or we, what we call testaments. The Old Testament and the New Testament, or it's the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And, and let me just talk to you. Hey, Michael, good to see you back there, man. Everybody's looking around. Who's Michael? Uh, in a nutshell, let me talk to you about the Old Testament or that Old Covenant for just a minute. And, and again, we can't exhaust it, but let me just tell you basically what that Old Covenant is. It pretty much consisted of this. It was an agreement between God and Moses. Moses was the representative of the people to God and from God to the people. And Moses went to Mount Sinai and he spent 40 days with God to receive whatever that covenant was. God called him up to Mount Sinai and he said, I'm going to share with you what this old covenant or this testament is going to consist of. We know the Ten Commandments. We've all, we learned the Ten Commandments when we were in Sunday school. And some of y'all think, man, is he going to talk about all this again today? Yep, I am. There were actually 613 commandments in that old covenant, in that old testament. Now we know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet this and do that and kill that and so on. There, there were, but that was just 10 of them. There's another 603 that, you, that are not listed there in the 10. And if you'll go through the first five books of the Bible, it's known as the Pentateuch or, or the, the Law of Moses or the Mosaic Law. And in those rules, for example, if you see a bird fall out of its nest, go put it back. If uh, there's certain times, that if, if, if you see a Dan, we'd all broke the law today because we drove by dead possums, dead raccoons, and dead deer. And, you know, if you went by some kind of dead something or another, you, the law said you had to go get cleansed somehow or another, you know, before you uh, could carry on. And there are 613 rules and regulations. Uh, and God said, if you'll keep them, if you can keep all these rules and all this stuff, then I'll be your God and you'll be my people. Paul, listen, here's what Paul in a few places called that old covenant. 
In Galatians 3, he called it a schoolmaster. In Romans 7, he called it a letter. In 1 Corinthians, he simply referred to it as the law. In Romans 8, he called it the law of sin and of death. In Galatians 4, he called it a law of flesh. Simply referred to it as flesh. We're going to preach on that here pretty soon. Flesh and spirit, marvel not. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That, oh, I didn't even mean to talk about that. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. When you were born under that law, you were born of flesh. But there is a law of the spirit. And then Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus, you need to be, you've got to be, you must be born of the spirit. That which is flesh is flesh. Amen. In Galatians 5, he called it a law of bondage or the yoke of bondage. The issue with that Old Testament was nobody could do it. Keep all these rules, you got her licked. But nobody could keep those rules and those laws and that was by divine design. Because God wanted mankind to know you can't be righteous on your own. You can't do this by yourself. You're going to need a Savior. Amen. And so for about 1,500 years, I want you to think about that. 1,500 years, man struggles with these rules, these laws, and these impossible regulations. But then comes Jesus. 1,500 years, they're trying to keep these rules and these laws and these regulations and they keep messing up and messing up, but then comes Jesus and his mission is, I'm going to bring a new covenant. I'm going to bring a new testament. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 26 and 28, this is the blood of the new testament. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3 and 6 that we've been made able ministers of the new testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The new covenant was referred to by Paul as the law of liberty, James chapter 1. He referred to it as the law of the Spirit, Romans 8. And in Galatians 4, he called it the promise. Amen. He called it a covenant of promise. And this covenant... I'm getting somewhere. Y'all stick with me. I've got to teach you a little doctrine here today. We can shout here in a few minutes, all right? Amen. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We need knowledge. Amen. This covenant was given to the apostles, men who had been hand-selected by Jesus Christ himself, who were commissioned to share the principles and the oracles of this new covenant to all nations all around the world. Now, I ain't about 50, 12 minutes in here. Some of y'all about to snooze on me. Stay with me here just a minute. He hand-selected these men to help him share the principles and the oracles of this new covenant with every nation all around the world. Amen. And it was to begin at Jerusalem. And that old covenant that consisted 
of all of those rules and regulations also had a penalty if you didn't keep them. And that penalty was you're going to die. Not just a physical death. Not just the death of this living, breathing being, but the death of that inner man, the soul, that if you couldn't keep those rules and regulations, the penalty was death. And 1,500 years, now listen to, to this, 1,500 years of breaking those rules, breaking those laws, not keeping those principles and traditions and so on, mounted to this huge, unbelievable pile of sin. Best way I know how to say it, it was a mountain of sin. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Hebrews that, that the blood of bulls and goats could not remit sin, but there was a remembrance made year after year. They had a way to deal with sin, but it didn't remit it. It just kept piling up on you. Year after year after year. Can you imagine? Every night when I close my eyes, I say, Lord, forgive me for what I did today. Anything that I did today that, or, or, or maybe I should have that I didn't do. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. I prayed it before I walked in this sanctuary today. Can you imagine if everything that you do or didn't do that you should have done is just piling up on you? That, that it's not being taken away? That, that, that it's just remembered? Man, I'd have a big pile. Say amen or oh me. I'd have a big pile. And and for 1,500 years, that old covenant could not take away sin. But it just kept piling it up and piling it up and piling it up. Hebrews 10.3 says that the animal sacrifices made for sins of the people could not remit sin. But it was remembered year after year after year. Like it or not, that Old Testament was a God covenant. Like it or not, it was a God covenant. And if you wanted to be part of the family of God, you had to get in that covenant. Amen. If you wanted to be a part of the family of God, you had to get in that covenant. It was a covenant of God. Listen, I'm getting close to preaching to you. I'm teaching you right now. The death of Christ was a two-part mission. To pay the penalty of that old covenant and to establish the new one. That, that, that was the death. That's why Jesus died. To pay the penalty, those sins that had piled up on everybody, amen, there there had to be a death. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't wash it away. It just kept piling it up. But Jesus said, I'm bringing a new covenant, and I'm bringing a new testament, and the blood of bulls and goats can't handle it, but the blood of Jesus. I said he came to pay the penalty of 1,500 years of disobedience, of 1,500 of years of, I can't keep those rules. And to establish the new covenant, Hebrews chapter nine, I think these, these, uh, uh, the media team has this passage. If you would put that up, please. Hebrews nine, starting with verse 15. It says, and for this cause, 
He is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament. Amen. Part A of his mission, part one of his mission was the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament. They which, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity bring the death of the testator. There must be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. And so he fulfilled the penalty of that old covenant when he died at Calvary. And not only did he fulfill that old covenant, but he was able to through death because he's the testator, he's the giver of that new testament, was able to bring to us that new covenant. All right, just stay with me here. That new testament plan of salvation was put into effect after Jesus gave his life at Calvary. Amen. Jesus paid the penalty of the old and fulfilled the role of the testator to bring the new. It's important to understand that God's promise of this new covenant consists of Jesus taking our part. He took my part. He took my place. We used to sing an old song that said, he paid a debt he didn't owe. And I owed a debt I couldn't pay. Amen. You need to understand and believe that with all of your heart. Jesus took yours. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus took my place. Hallelujah. Jesus took my place. He paid a debt he didn't owe. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. But Jesus said, I'll go. I'll die. I'll do it. I'll redeem them. I'll die for them. I'll suffer for them. I'll take their place. Oh, anybody glad he took your place? So he paid the debt of the old so that we could be released, that we could be set free, so that we could be loosed to participate in the new. Amen. Salvation is so much deeper than just you being forgiven of your sins. It's so much deeper than you just being forgiven for telling a lie or stealing a piece of bubble gum or cheating on your math test. Salvation is so much deeper than just the things that we've messed up on. Amen. It was to pay the penalty of that old covenant. And to bring in and establish that that new covenant could be preached. And so that we could participate. He paid the penalty of the old covenant that we were born under. Paul said we're born in sin. Amen. We were born under that old covenant. Peter preached 
that very thing on the day of Pentecost. He preached the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. The gospel. He preached the good news. And when those that were in attendance heard that message preached and that Jesus had paid their penalty and that he had died and that he rose again on the third day, the Bible said that they were pricked in their heart. You mean we serve a God that would love me enough to pay 1,500 years worth of mess and mistakes and disobedience for me? When they heard that he did that for them, the Bible said they were pricked in their heart. Amen. And they looked at Peter and the rest of the apostles and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? We know he's a covenant God. We know about that old covenant. If you'll do this, if you'll keep these rules, if you'll keep these statutes and all this stuff, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. You do this, I'll do this. They know he's a covenant God. And so when they heard what Jesus had done for them, tell us our part. What's our part of that covenant? I want to be in covenant with God. I want to be in covenant with somebody that would love me enough to lay down their life for me. I want to be a part of that covenant. I want to have that relationship. Tell me, what do I need to do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the Bible says, then they, verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. There were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And verse 42 says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What was the apostles' doctrine? Jesus died for your sins and he rose again on the third day. And when you see, hear, and believe that, here's how you need to respond. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What a promise! Amen. Now, the what we don't normally. Well, this is weird. We don't normally entertain questions while I'm preaching. This is my nephew. Y'all deal with him later, Julia. He's 26. I don't know what you're going to do, ground him. 27, 30. 
Now, tell, what was that question again? Just for the, okay, I'm going to repeat what you're saying. That, that the plan that was preached by the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost was just for the Jews. And there was a different plan for the Gentiles. Well, let's look. Please notice verse 39 in that verse. He said, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Gentile church at Ephesus that they were a people that were called by the circumcision, uncircumcision. Paul called the Gentiles, that's us, Paul called those Gentiles aliens and strangers. And they were without the promises and the covenants of God. He said, but now in Christ Jesus... Ye who were afar off are made nigh or made close by the blood of Christ. That the gospel was preached to you that were afar off and to you that were nigh. For the promise is unto you and to your children and all that are afar off. That's the Jew and that's the Gentile. Oh, I'm in a room full of Gentiles today. Aren't you glad it wasn't just for the Jew? Hallelujah. You and your children, Jews, and to them that are afar off. The Gentiles. Paul said in Romans 10, 12, for there is no difference. Man, I could take a lap. I might here in just a minute. Paul said there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Amen. For God is rich unto all them that call on him. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. There is no difference. Praise God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now hang on here. I can tell y'all are kin. We, we, this is disruptive and could be construed as out of order. But I'm going to allow the question. I sound like a judge. <laughs> Go ahead. Now, hold up, hold up. Let me, let me make sure I'm getting... You're saying that we take the context of baptism out of how it was meant in the Word of God. Okay. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So, so there, what I just quoted and read to you, it says, when they gladly received His Word, they that gladly received His Word was baptized. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Amen. It's going to get gooder and gooder as we go along here. Yeah. 
Amen. So then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So what you're saying is that's not water baptism. That that's spirit baptism. Okay. All right, let's look at that. Next, Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus looks at those hand-selected men, those apostles. You're the question, or address you, I suppose. Jesus said to those men, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Woo. And you shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And what I just read to you was when Jerusalem and Judea got it. He told them to repent, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And they that gladly received his word were baptized. And there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So for argument's sake, let's say that was spirit baptism. That they weren't water baptized. Then it would be consistent that the rest of these nations and people and tongues would receive it just like that. Amen. Paul said there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So if that's how it was with that group of people, Jerusalem, Judea. So as we go through the word of God, that's how it'll be, right? Amen. Let's look. The very, guess what? The very next people that received this message were the Samaritans. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Go to Acts chapter 8. Is this all right, y'all? Acts chapter 8. Here's the next group. Oh, praise God. Now listen here. Acts 8. Here's the next group. These same apostles, these same disciples, these hand-selected men of God, these Jewish teenagers. Go to the city of Samaria. Verse 5. Acts chapter 8. Verse number 5 says, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Is that what it said? Amen. I might get down here and preach. He went and preached Christ unto them. Now, I don't know what he preached. I don't know what he said. Todd, it just said that he preached Christ to them. Brother-in-law, I don't know what he said. It just said he preached Christ unto the, the citizens of Samaria. Now hear me. The only thing worse than a Gentile was a Samaritan. The Gentiles were considered dogs to the Jewish people. Remember when that little woman came to Jesus and said, will you go heal my daughter? And Jesus said, I will not give the, 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 the children's bread to the dogs. That was a Gentile woman. And she said, even the dogs get the crumbs. He said, I haven't seen so great a faith in all of Israel. Not even among my own people. Go, your daughter's healed. The Gentiles were considered dogs. You know what was worse than a Gentile? A Samaritan. Because they were a mix of Jew and Gentile. The only thing worse than a Gentile was the fact that some purebred Jewish person had went and married up with a a Gentile and the, the product, their children were Samaritans. Remember, Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. And his disciples was like, what in the world? We ain't got no dealings with them people. He, what's he doing going through Samaria? So they go to Samaria. And the Bible says that Philip preached Christ unto them. I don't know what he said. Y'all listen to me. I don't know what he preached. But the Bible says in verse 12, 
when they believed Philip preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God, amen, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Spiritual baptism. It wasn't water baptized. Is that what you're saying? That that meant spiritual baptism. When they believed Philip's preaching the concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Go to verse 14. Now when the apostles, which at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. If they were spirit baptized, young lady, in verse 12, then why are they praying for them to receive the Spirit in verse 14? Oh, I've got a mixed audience. Let's keep reading. For as yet, he was fallen on none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he had fallen on none of them. The Holy Ghost had fallen on none of them. So if verse 12 was spirit baptism, how is he saying two verses later they don't have it? And that same Philip, that same Philip in the same chapter. Oh, this is getting good. Y'all going to shout here in just a few seconds. In that same chapter, Philip leaves that revival and is translated to this man, the Bible referred to as an Ethiopian eunuch. Can I tell y'all this story? Y'all still with me? Same chapter. Just leaves that revival. The Bible said that somehow miraculously he was sent to that guy. And that guy was reading the book of Isaiah. And he was reading the book of Isaiah where it said he was led as a lamb slain. Uh, and he opened not his mouth as a lamb was dumb. He opened not his mouth. And that Ethiopian eunuch said to Philip, the same Philip that preached to the Samaritans, he said, uh, is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? Philip said, do, do you understand what he said? How can I understand except some man guide me? Now again, we don't know what he said to him. We don't know what he said in that Bible lesson with that Ethiopian eunuch. But watch what happened. What verse is it? Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Keep going. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. I, I, don't, I don't know what he was preaching to him when he was preaching Jesus to him but somewhere in there he said something about water he said here's water what doth hinder me to be baptized same Philip same chapter same Jesus same message
Somebody ought to praise him. When the Gentiles were saved in Acts 10, can I just tell you? I didn't tell you to sit down yet. Interrupt my message. Go to Acts 10, the next group of people, the uttermost, those that are afar off. Peter went to preach the message. St. Peter preached the message on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For this sin shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost promised unto you and your children. And all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Oh, can I tell you the most beautiful love story for us Gentiles in the Bible is Acts chapter 10. Whoa. Oh, I still got my woo. Bible says there was a man by the name of Cornelius. He was an Italian guy. So he was not a, a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a good man. He was a godly man. He prayed and he gave people money. He was nice to people. He got a visitation from God. Old sport coat. I don't have a sport body anymore. Get me extra fat. Not to sport fit. Beautiful. I got to tell it. It ain't in my notes to tell it, but I'm going to tell it. If you're in a hurry, you can go on. This man, this godly man that feared God and was nice to people, he got a visitation from an angel. And that angel said, listen here, your prayers and your alms have come up to, as a memorial before God. Here's what you need to do. He didn't say you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. He said, here's what you need to do now. Go find Peter. He's down by the seaside. He's down at Simon the Tanner's house. Go down there and find him, and he'll tell you what you ought us to do. Remember on the day of Pentecost, they said, what shall we do? He said, you go find Peter, Cornelius. He'll tell you what you need to do. Bible said he was on the rooftop top and he was hungry. And there was a great sheet that appeared unto him as he fell into a trance. And on that sheet was all these different animals that Jews can't eat. And there was a voice that said, take and eat. Y'all still with me? Don't miss this. It's too good to miss it. Take and eat. And Peter, being a Jew, looked at those things. It's not lawful for him to eat. And he said, I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And that voice said to him, don't you call anything that I've made common or unclean. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God he said that. Thank God he said that. Bible says that Cornelius' guys show up down there at the end of that dream. They said, here's what happened. Our boss was having a, a, a visitation from heaven. We're supposed to come get you. You're supposed to come back with us, and you're going to tell us what we're supposed to do. Peter went with them. When he showed up Cornelius' house, Cornelius bowed down on the ground and started worshiping Peter. Peter said, hold up, dude. I'm just a guy like you. Don't you worship me. Stand up. Tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius said, well, I was praying. And this angel come, 
and said that, that my prayers and my alms had come up before a memorial before God and if I would come get you, you'd tell us what we needed to do. And when Peter heard that, he said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But that in every nation, he that feareth God and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. And you know what Peter preached? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. He preached that new covenant. He preached God's part of that new covenant. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. And the Bible said, while he was yet speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And when the Holy Ghost fell, listen to what Peter said, sassy britches. Peter said, can any man forbid water? That these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost just like we did. Somebody ought to praise God on that word. Have you been buried with him in baptism? Baptizo, immersion in water. Amen. Let's don't, let's don't make this an every Sunday thing, okay, y'all? So you're saying baptism is a work that Paul was referring to when he said we're not saved by works lest any man should boast. First of all, none of us baptize ourselves. He said repent and be baptized. Somebody else is going to baptize you. But secondly... Paul, oh, this is good. Paul shared his personal testimony. He was, he was thrown in jail, and he's going from this governor to that governor, from that governor to get, he's got all of these different uh, trials. He's, he's going to trial here, and they put him on a boat, send him over here for a trial. Then he goes to this trial, goes through a shipwreck, and you think the guy would just, just let him go, but they just kept, he had to go through this governor and that governor. He finally ends up in front of a man by the name of King Agrippa. And he says to King Agrippa, if you want to know what I'm doing, what's going on with me, I'm going to share it with you. And then Paul tells his story about going down the road to Damascus. And he said, I was going to arrest people that were preaching and teaching about Jesus. People that were baptizing people and and." and laying hands on them so they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He said, I was going around arresting people like that. And he said, while I was on my way, I was struck blind. He's telling King Agrippa his testimony. 
He said, I was, I, I, I was struck blind. And, and the Lord told me to go find this guy named Ananias. And once again, he'll tell you what you need to do. Go find the man of God. And he'll give you some marching instructions. He's going, you're going to be called to the ministry. Look at Acts chapter 26, verse number 19. Now, your question was, is baptism a work that Paul, the apostle Paul, you're talking about Paul, right? Acts 19, 26, verse 19. So he says, I got this, this calling that I was supposed to go around the world and, and share the gospel with people. And he says, whereupon, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. To the heavenly vision. He said, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God. He said, here's how I answered my call to the ministry. I was not disobedient to what God told me. That I went to the Jews first, and then I went to the Gentiles. And I told them that they needed to repent and do works that are meat for repentance. That word meat in the original Greek means that which is of equal importance, that which is just as important as the other. Repent and do something else that's just as important as repenting. So when we find Paul on the mission field, sis, in Acts 19, starting with verse number one, the Bible says... That Paul went down to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, verse 2. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? This is Paul. The same one that said we're not saved by works lest any man should boast. The same one that said I told people they need to repent and do works, meet for repentance. That same Paul said, when I got there, I asked them had they received the Holy Ghost since they believed. They said, we haven't heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And then what did Paul say? How were you baptized? I bet I know what the problem is. How were you baptized? If he's saying baptism is a work that we shouldn't do it lest any man should boast, then why is his first question after they said, we don't know about the Holy Ghost, how were you baptized? They said we were baptized under John's baptism. And Paul explained that that baptism was a baptism of repentance. And when they heard this, don't that sound familiar? And when they heard this, they were baptized. Paul baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Repent and do works meet for repentance. Can you put the next verse up there? And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them. That was a water baptism too. And they spake with tongues. Praise God. Jesus, the words of Jesus Christ. Everybody wants to say, well, Paul said this, and Peter said that, and this and said that. Jesus, the words of Jesus Christ. Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized. 
shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Seriously. So when Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, you're saying that Jesus wasn't referring to water baptism. We just covered that. Dude. Go to Matthew 28, verse number 1. That's Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Matthew chapter 28 verse 1 says in the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week came Mary Magdalene the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Keep going if you, if you can brothers. Next verse. And behold there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Keep going. And his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white, white as snow. Next verse. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Keep going. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where he laid. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Amen. Later in that chapter is the great commission. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel. Amen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Verse number 18, teach all nations. Verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Can I ask you a question? When your papa baptized you, how did he baptize you? When you got baptized, water baptized. We're talking about water baptized. He baptized you and said in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So that's water baptism. Matthew 28, 19. That's water baptism. But Mark 16, 16 is not water baptism. Go to Mark chapter 1. Chapter 16, verse 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Keep going. Very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came to the sepulchre, the rise of the sun. Is that the resurrection? So we read Matthew's version of the resurrection. In Matthew, the last chapter, starting with verse 1, the resurrection. That's worded different, but it's the same thing. It's the resurrection. Would you agree with that, sir? Go to verse 16, 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Remember over in Matthew's version, he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. He said the whole world. But are they saying the same thing? They are saying the same thing. Same resurrection at the beginning of the chapter. Same great commission, right? And you're telling me Matthew's version, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost was water baptism. Look at the next verse. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If Matthew 28, 19 is water baptism, Matthew 16, 16 is water baptism.
I'm not sharing an apostolic message with y'all. I'm showing you what the book says. Somebody ought to give him some praise here this afternoon. Glory to God. All right. I look. This is the last one. We, we can't be setting a precedence here for a few. I'm sorry, preachers. I hope we don't start doing this to y'all. Well, I just told you, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now you're saying Paul said, what'd you say it again? Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Y'all still listening? I'm about done. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Paul said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's some confusion or maybe they go together. Is it possible? Whew. There's my Holy Ghost doodads. Is it possible that calling on the name of the Lord might have something to do with baptism? No way. No way. No way. Joel chapter 2, verse number 32. Some of you don't know that when Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 said, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, that was the third and last time that that was mentioned in the Bible. The first time, Brother Lowell Larkins, is in Joel chapter 2, verse number 32. When Joel is prophesying of a day, I'm almost done. Please don't miss this last part. In Joel 2 and 32, he's prophesying about a day that's coming. One of these days, there's going to be restoration to Israel. One of these days, I'm going to give you everything back that the canker worm and the palmer worm and the locust took from you. One of these days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And then in verse 32, he says, and it shall come to pass. That whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. That word means saved. Delivered means saved. He said, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance as the Lord has. That's the first mention of whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, one of these days it's coming. It's going to be a future event. God's going to bless and pour out his spirit. And people are going to be sanctified and saved and brought out of captivity. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that Peter spoke up and he said, These are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And verse 21, he said, And whosoever shall call on the name of of the Lord shall be saved. Come on, somebody. The prophet said it's coming. Peter said it's here. 
Today's the day. And the only mention of his name in the instructions given to those men when they ask, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Repent and be baptized. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Was Paul saying something different? Go to Acts chapter number 22, verse number 16. We'll find Paul's own conversion in the book of Acts twenty-two sixteen. And the man of God said to Paul, the man that penned those words in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why tarriest thou, Paul? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sin, calling on the name of the Lord. Paul's own experience in calling on the name of the Lord was when he was baptized. Would you stand with me with your hands to heaven right now? Come on, would you close your eyes and just lift your hands and let's just feel after God. You don't have to. That's, I'm just asking you. You don't have to lift your hands. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to pray. It's an invitation. Come on, would you pray? Would you talk to the Lord? Jesus, Jesus, open our hearts and our minds and our spirits today. There may be somebody here under the sound of my voice. You had a question. <laughs> I, I got a question. Come on, talk to Jesus here just a minute. I promise you the first thing you got to do if you want to be saved is you got to believe. That Jesus died for your sins. And that he rose again on that third day. Amen. Amen. Anything else without believing is dead. As a matter of fact, the half-brother Jesus Christ said, Faith without works. Works without faith. They're dead. Some of you, God's been tugging at your heart. About repenting, about having a change of mind and walking in another direction, living for God, living for Jesus. Can I say this to you? This is that. <laughs> what I just preached to you today, like the Apostle Peter said, Brother Greg Craddock, this is that. Oh, I'm glad little Rafe's back there. He's just a little baby, but he heard the message. This is that. If you haven't repented of your sins, I wouldn't go another day. You know, part of the Greek word for repent is have a change of mind. Have a change of mind. 
Consider who Peter was preaching to that day. Those Jews that were so steep in that old covenant, that old testament. Peter looked at them and said, repent. Have a change of mind. And be baptized. Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Why? For the remission. Remember that old covenant just pushed it. Pushed it forward year after year after year. But he said now this new covenant makes a way for it to be remitted. For it to be removed. Never to be remembered against you again. Have you been baptized, water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? And finally, this afternoon, have you been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Come on, let's start singing right now. Whatever's on your heart, Brother Ben, would you lift your hands one more time? Thank you for joining our podcast. We want to invite you to our church Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. Sunday afternoons at 345. We want to say thank you for joining us and also tune in next time for our podcast, Messages from the Promise.